Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. Meals are important in our life, and not just for nutrition, but for socialization. As family, meals are a means in which we gather and we share our lives. We also celebrate with meals, right? We celebrate birthdays and graduations and anniversaries in the context of a meal. We conduct business and agree to deals over a meal. Now, in the first reading, as well as in the gospel for this weekend, we see some incredible meals, whereby God is the host and also the source of our nourishment. Now, turn to the gospel. It's probably the most popular story in all four of the gospels. Now, it's found in all four of the gospels. Now, this is very rare that you find the same story in all four of the gospels. Immediately, it tells us, there's something very special about this story. Now, we can only imagine this miracle must have struck the apostles with such awe, if not all four of the gospel writers thought it was necessary to include it in their gospel. More to it, this story has inspired artists throughout the centuries. Therefore, we must pay careful attention to every detail of the story. Now, this story has many themes to it. But what I want to do is I want to take the theme of redemption and draw upon it in this story. What we see in this story is textbook, biblical redemption through the apostles. Let me tell you how. Notice how the story starts in a very dark way with the death of John the Baptist. Now remember, John was a cousin of Jesus. So this must have been something frightening for Jesus to hear. That's probably when he went off to a deserted place all by himself to mourn the death of John. And this has great overtones of the Old Testament. How often in the Old Testament do we see prophets threatened and then put to death? For example, Isaiah and Jeremiah. Well, the story continues. And the people come out and they look for Jesus and they find him in the desert place. Now, they're all together in this deserted place. Now, the Greek word that is used here to describe a deserted place is eremos, which means deserted or wilderness. Now, where else do we see that word eremos in the Bible? Well, in the story of Exodus that describes the Israelites wandering for 40 years in the eremos or the desert. Now, immediately, this gospel calls to mind the Israelites in the wilderness with God. And what happened? God fed the Israelites in the Eremos. Well, once again, God is with his people, and they're in the Eremos. And God, we know, will feed his people, but in a powerful way, a miraculous way. Well, the story says that Jesus was curing people, curing the ill all day long. And evening came, and the people needed to eat. And the apostles approached Jesus, and they say, 
This is a deserted place. It is already late. Dismiss the crowd so they can go to villages and buy food for themselves. Sin always is about division. It's the movement of disperse, dispersing people, scattering them. You know, we give the devil many titles. One of the titles is Diabolos in Spanish or Latin. It comes from the Latin root word diaboline, which means to scatter. And so, one of the devil's titles is the scatterer. And scatter or scattering is the work of evil. Now, notice also what the apostles say. So, they can buy food for themselves. That's the attitude of what? Every man for himself. Everyone is on their own. That's the voice of sin. Now, the voice of grace says what? We bear each other's burdens. And that's the voice of Jesus Christ. Notice how he responds to the apostles. He says, no, go give them food yourself. Now, Jesus doesn't want to break up this crowd. He doesn't want to scatter them. He wants to gather them, keep them together. He knows they are in a deserted place and they're all alone. Therefore, they're vulnerable to the weather, to attacks from wild animals, robbers, or killers. Jesus is thinking, now, all the more reason for them to stay together. But again, concentrate on that phrase. Give them food for yourselves. It means what? In the community of the church, we bear each other's burdens and we share each other's joys. We are church and therefore we're in it together. If we see a problem in our faith community or within the culture of, or our communities, we must be compelled to help to resolve that problem. We can't say, well, you know, I know there's a problem going on in our church or our community, but somebody ought to do it. I can't do it or I refuse to get involved. Well, that's precisely the attitude of the apostles. Again, the people are starving. They need to eat. They need food. And yet the apostles go to Jesus and say, you know, we can't do this. You know, let them fend for themselves. Thomas Aquinas once said, God loves dispensing providence through second causes. Well, God gives us the privilege to participate in his providence when we do something good. Because God channels grace, his grace to work in and through us so that what? You participate in and cooperate with God's grace as you help others and you do good things in the community and in the world. And see, that is at the heart of stewardship. A person with a heart of stewardship always asks the same question, what can I do to help? And in asking that question, like Jesus, we bring people to God. We foster community. A person who has that attitude of, you know, let them fend for themselves. That's the attitude of dispersing, scattering, the attitude of sin. Or the attitude of, hey, I've got my own, you go get yours. Well, that's in direct opposition to what Jesus is trying to teach us here. God's redemption. Next in the story, and this is very important, the apostles bring Jesus all that they have, a few fish and a few loaves of bread. They hold nothing back. Well, so too with us. We hold nothing back with God. When we pray, when we worship, when we live a stewardship lifestyle, 
We don't say to God, you know, God, I will give you just a little bit of my time and attention, just a little bit of my will and my intellect. No, we hold nothing back. We give God everything because we have no idea what God will do to what we give him. And we'll see that soon enough in this story. Now, the story continues. It says, Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, Jesus said the blessing, broke the loaves, and gave it to the disciples, who in turn gave it to the crowds. Now, notice that important detail. After the multiplication of of the food, Jesus didn't give that food directly to the people. Instead, he gave it to the apostles to give to the people. Now, why is that? Well, it was very intentional on Jesus' part. Now the apostles are participating in the miracle. Ironically enough, the apostles now are part of the solution to feeding the people. Before they weren't, they were in opposition to feeding them. They wanted to do what? Disperse, scatter, let them fend for themselves. See, that's what God's grace can do. That's God's redemption at hand. And see, that's what God's grace can do for each and every one of us. St. Therese of Lisieux gives us this beautiful quote. She says, All the good that you will do in this world is not from you, but the fact that you have allowed yourself to be used as an instrument of God's grace in the world to do good things. Well, see, that's exactly what's happening with the apostles. They are instruments of God's grace. They are feeding God's people. But more to it, and most importantly, they are keeping the people together. And they are keeping the people together with Jesus, which is exactly what he wanted from the very beginning of the story. Now, remember the beginning of the story. The apostles say what to Jesus? Disperse the people. Get them out of here. Scatter them. Let them fend for themselves. And yet now, at the end of the story, they're participating in Jesus' miracle. The apostles now are being used as instruments of God's grace, accomplishing God's mission and God's will. Friends, that is a textbook case of biblical redemption through the apostles. See, this is something that holds true for us. When we offer God the best prayer, the best prosperity, the best skills and abilities, Jesus does what? God blesses them and then he allows us to be used as instruments of God's grace so that we can do good things for God and others in this world. We see this every day in our parishes, by our parishioners. They share their prayers and their prosperity. They share their skills and abilities as instruments of God's grace. And because of that, our parishes are strong. They're active. They're vibrant. We see that in such a way in which we offer a wide variety of different ministries and sacraments. One last thing to think about. It says, At the very end, they all ate and were satisfied. They picked up fragments left over, twelve wicker baskets full. Well, Jesus just doesn't give the people a little bit to tie them over until they can find food for themselves. No, in fact, he gives them more than enough to not only satisfy their hunger, but to have leftovers, an enormous amount of leftovers, 12 baskets full. Well, this is a great example of God's grace. God's grace is always over the top, super abundant, more than we need, in order to do God's goodwill in this world. 
And so we have to allow ourselves to be instruments of God's grace. His grace will be super abundant, over the top for us, so that we will do good works, so that we will do the will of God and accomplish his mission in this world. Friends, strongly encourage you, take some time this week, reread this beautiful story. It's a story of biblical redemption that is shown to the apostles and is now shown to us as God's people. And may the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.